Good morning, church. Awesome. So good to see you here this morning. If you're here in the auditorium with us, if you're with us online, we are excited about that and hope that today is encouraging for you and a proper amount of worship. I'm going to be real quick this morning because some of you have brought your twins for the first time and also have a toddler. And so for those families, I'll be real quick, okay? Um, No, I did want to start and say thank you uh, to our West 7th Church family. Thank you so much for uh, your support and everything that you've given us, uh, the Bingham family, uh, while we were pregnant with Lake and camp and dealing with Bear and everything else. So uh, thank you, church. We appreciate that. And today is their first Sunday. We're excited about that. It's going to be good. Um, Today is a different uh, type of Sunday. We have um, pretty alternative planning across the board. Um, We do not have Bible class this morning. Instead, we're hosting a lunch for some of our uh, homeless in the community here in Columbia. And there are several of you helping with that. I know our teens and their families are invited to help uh, clean that up this afternoon at 2. We're going to be putting up tables and chairs. So if you live nearby, if you're close, we'd love to have your help with that at 2. And we're excited about Uh, the room at the end and what that's looked like all weekend, and I'm sure there's going to be more reports on that as we continue on in the next couple of weeks. So we don't have class. We don't have our regularly scheduled preacher. I assure you we have our best youth minister on staff on it. It's going to go well. Um, But just kind of a, a weird day, and it's leading into one of the weirdest weeks on the calendar. This is such a strange week uh, for me. Maybe you feel the same way. Today starts this weird week where Christmas is over and we're leading into a new year, but there's a few days with, what what do we do with this week, right? It's very strange of looking back and kind of reflecting and also, you know, being mindful of our goals. And so if you're like me, usually this is the week where you try to eat as much as possible, gain as much weight as possible, because this is the before picture week. And soon you're going to, you know, take that picture, set those goals and by the end of the year, you're like, wow, that week was crazy, right? But it's, it's a weird week. It's a, a weird week of reflection, like I said. And, and so our family was talking about, and maybe your families did this too, this holiday season compared to last holiday season, 2021 versus 2020. For us, it was, you know, COVID Christmas last year. This year we had the flu, so it was pretty similar. Uh, but one of the biggest, craziest differences for us, last year, none of our family could taste anything. We had all lost our sense of smell and our sense of taste, which is a big bummer for Christmas time and Thanksgiving and all of your favorite foods and all these good things to taste. And so we were struggling with that and we were kind of laughing about it, you know, this year of like, wow, you know, we, you would have thought we'd lost more weight with not being able to taste and all these things. Um, and we had kind of experienced losing our taste and how weird that was. Jenna I'd lost her taste for maybe 24 hours, and she, you know, tried the onion like an apple, took a big bite out of it, you know, and that was weird, and it's such a strange thing when you start reflecting on how important taste is, right? It's one of those things that once it's taken from you, you realize, wow, that was kind of important. I think I actually really like my taste. I'd I'd like to have that back, and that's kind of this realization that taste is an important part of our human experience. There's a lot of good things that come from taste. We can all relate to our favorite foods. We like to taste our favorite things. We like to share our favorite things. We also like to share our least favorite things. Ew, this is gross. You got to try it, right? You've done that before. This is disgusting. Smell it. You know, get in here. Taste this. Our sense of taste plays a very interesting role in our lives as creation. So when I read scripture, 
like Psalm uh, 34 and when 34 8, when this idea of taste shows up, I am so interested in what David is saying about the human experience then and what he means by to taste the Lord and to see that he is good and what he means for us, his audience today. Psalm 34 8 has to be one of the strangest chapter titles in all of Scripture. It starts by saying, The Psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. It's real weird. When he pretended to be insane and from before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. And we get this full story in 1 Samuel 21. You can mark that in your notes. You can go and read some of it later. But David is running away from Saul. It picks up in verse 10. He fled from Saul, and he's running from the king Achish, king of Gath. And the servants are like, hey, isn't this David? And this is where it shows up again. Isn't this the David that they sing about? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So they know him. They know that he's the king. And hey, this is a a high-priced bounty. And so David realizes that his life may be on the line. And so he takes these words to heart, which is funny. David's like, that's right. I do slay my tens of thousands. I'll tuck that away. But then he kind of comes up with this crazy, pun intended, plan, right? It's an insane plan where he says, I am going to act crazy. I'm going to claw at the doors. I'm going to drool myself and maybe they'll just let me go. And it works. And then he writes Psalm 34 in response to this wild plan working, right? David eventually winds up in this cave and he's singing this song for an audience of uh, similarly down and out desperate men. And he starts this psalm with praise for God's deliverance. And he thanks God that this gamble, this This insane play has paid off, and he knows that it is from God. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. It is seven verses of praise be to God because of what he has done for me. He speaks to his personal experience. And don't we all, especially in this room, this day and age, have an incredible experience to say, God, I've been delivered. I've been blessed. There have been so many good things and we are thankful and we praise you. And then verse 8. This is where taste shows up. This idea of kind of kicks off this section of commands. David suggests these actions to do in response to that personal experience, in in response to being delivered, in response to these good things, in response to our blessing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lion may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you hear taste, In scripture, I hope this verse comes to mind. It's such a powerful one. Taste is the Hebrew word for tayam. I think we got a slide that, yeah, there it is. That's all you need to know. That's how it's spelled in Hebrew, right? This Hebrew word for taste is tayam, and it means a couple of different things. Tayam means both taste, like we think about, to have a sample of, to take a bite of, to taste and try something, to use that sense of taste. And it also means to discern, 
or to perceive or to take in, to make a judgment call. It's, hey, try this so that you can make up your own mind on these things. And so when he says tiam, he means both, right? He's saying, hey, experience the Lord. Take this in. Take in all that the Lord has done for us, all that he has done for you. He has delivered me. Here's my personal experience. And now I want each of you to taste and see, to make this judgment call on your own. That's what David's saying. And it's beautiful, isn't it? Taste and see that he is good. Taste and see that those that fear him, this is one of my favorites, lack nothing. There is satisfaction to be found in the Lord. Taste and see there is life worth living in the Lord. Have you ever felt lacking before? Have you ever been left unsatisfied? Of course. Of course we have. This week is perfect for that. It's a perfect week to be feeling left um, empty, left lacking. You know what? I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. Sure, I got some of it, but I didn't get all of it, right? I wish I had more toys. I wish I had more time off. I wish I felt happy. This is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. And here we are, December 26th, and it's like, what a bummer. I feel like I am lacking. I feel unsatisfied. Why do I not feel happy? Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel anxious? And David is hinting at a cure to this idea. He's hinting at this idea that the Lord provides satisfaction, that he provides contentment, that he provides fulfillment. Not like these other flavors that the world offers. Not that they, they, they promise us everything that falls short, but he says, look, I'm promising you satisfaction. I'm promising you fulfillment, something that is worth your time. It is worth your judgment. It is worth you taking a taste of. So this idea is brought up in the Old Testament with David, and then Jesus kind of echoes this testament later. In John 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people, uh, maybe more, and they try to force him to be king. And he, using his Jesus sense, right, picks up on, hey, they're about to, to force me into this kingship, and that's not why I'm here. And so he, he, he gets away from him. And he moves away from thousands of people that want to worship him, that want to make him king. And he, he escapes them and he walks on water to get away from him. It's a fascinating chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture because it's so weird, right? Jesus has this huge audience and they want to make him king. It seems like, hey, here's the Messiah. Everything is going according to plan. And he leaves and he walks on water. And when they catch up with him, they ask him basically why he ran away. Why did you try to escape us? What is going on here? How long have you been here? Is what they say. And Jesus has this great response, and it's about their taste. Jesus answers in John 6, 26. Very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. He's mentioning their motivation, right? In verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is the food that the Son of Man gives you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Skip down to verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's the same thing David's talking about. If you fear the Lord, if you follow him, come taste and see. He will not leave you lacking or unsatisfied. Jesus says, look, I'm the bread of life. This is eternal. This is better than anything that this planet has to offer, anything this culture has to offer. I am more. I am better. I am fulfilling. I am satisfactory. 
this week as we prepare for a, a new year, I want to encourage us as a church family to kind of take inventory. It's one of my favorite things to do with our youth group is to spend time thinking about goals. Uh, what does it look like to have goals at school, with your family, with your friends, to have goals spiritually speaking? It's something that we leave off our list all the time. What is my goal for me in youth group? What is my goal for me as a disciple of Jesus? And so I want to take some time this morning to ask ourselves a couple of questions to kind of take an inventory and prepare for this new year as a church family, asking ourselves some tough questions, spending time in conversation about them, and we'll tie it back into this idea of taste here in a second. But this first question, what are you pursuing? Is it the highest grade? Is it that promotion at work, the attention of others? I'm guilty of that. Or is it humility? Are you pursuing generosity? Are you pursuing souls of the lost? Are you pursuing community the way Jesus intended? What are you pursuing? How are you spending your time, your energy, your attention? Is it on the fleeting or is it on the eternal? Because from David to Jesus, we see there is a difference. And Paul writes about there's a difference between the physical and the spiritual, and which one are you pursuing every day? When you wake up and you hit the ground running, what are you running after? These people in John 6 chase after Jesus, right? They're hunting him down. And Jesus acknowledges that they've chased him down, they've run him down for the wrong reasons. What is our motivation for our pursuit? Why are we here this morning? Why are we going to come on Sundays? Why are we going to come on Wednesdays? Why are we participating in our home Bible studies? What are we pursuing? Is it for social reasons? Is it for comfort? Is it because it's what we've always done? Or do we pursue him because we want to live like him? We want to be like him. We want others to see him in our every decision. The second question, very similarly, what are your goals? How many of those goals reflect that relentless pursuit of Jesus? How many of those goals matter in light of all of eternity? Are our goals still the same that they've always been and they're stop with what would make us more successful here? I want to make more money. I want to lose weight. I want to look better. I want to do better. I want to be good. Those are fine, but where do they stack up in comparison to eternity? And as a church, one question that I want us to continue to come back to throughout this new year is this one. What does our next year look like? That's a great question for the individual, and it's something that maybe we'll spend time doing this week. Well, what does my January look like? What does my summer look like? Uh, it's one of my favorites, right? Where already, I already get a couple of emails, a couple of texts, like, hey, do you know what youth group summer looks like? It's like, well, kind of, you know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We're close. You know, we've got three or four really big things that we're excited about. It's going to be good. And so we start thinking ahead in all sorts of other senses of that idea of planning ahead, of considering these things. What does our year look like as a church? What does our year look like as disciples of Jesus? Is it a year where we praise for the Lord and never leaves our lips, like David says? Is it a year where we grow in number and in spirit because we are continually convicted to do more with what we've been given? Or is this going to be just another year? It's a great question to come back to often and to think about and to reflect on. I hope and I want to encourage us uh, that this next year would look like Baskin Robbins. I'll explain. I put a lot of um, 
little sample spoons. I've got one with me, I'll show you. Uh, I put these little sample spoons out by the door back here, and there's some up here, some back there as well. And you would have thought I rolled in a piano, I guess. I should have explained maybe in an email or something. Uh, everybody was like, this, there's spoons everywhere. What do we do with these? Are these for the Lord's Supper? They're not. Okay. Um, I'll explain. Baskin Robbins has these little pink spoons, right? What are they for? Samples, right? They're for tasting. They, they, they are so convinced that their ice cream's so good and that you're not just going to be like, ah, no thanks. After you taste this, that you're going to buy ice cream, that it is convincing that they will give you a little bit for free, right? Walmart was giving out the new Coke Zero sample the other day. That was hard for me to turn down, right? It must work if Walmart and Coke are doing it. They must, it must be convincing. They must sell more, right? They say, hey, taste this, try this. It is convincing. And so I put these out because I want our next year to be a year where we are constantly sampling the Lord. We are in the word and we are aware of how good he is and we are aware of how good our situation is, how good he is to us, how he delivers us, how he answers our prayers. And we are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good continually. And we are constantly reminding ourselves by sampling the Lord, by tasting him. And I want us as a church to be a sample to those that we come in contact with, that when they see us Maybe we have this in our pocket, in our wallet, in our backpack, in our car, and we're kind of playing with it. And it's a reminder that when people come into contact with you, that you are a sample of his holiness, that you're a sample of his forgiveness, that you're a sample of his love and his mercy and his grace and all the things that make him good. You are just a small reflection, a taste of that for people that you come in contact with. This morning is... uh, uh, so don't, don't forget these. Don't make it weird for me to have to go pick up 400 more spoons. But, um, so grab one of those. And this morning is, is a weird one. Like I said, it's different. It feels a little um, like an alternate morning. But it's also like every Sunday that we've ever had for so many reasons. The church exists to love one another here in this community, to take care of one another, to be a sample of Jesus to one another. And there are so many of us that have needs physically, mentally, spiritually. And so this morning we're going to offer an invitation song here in just a second. And if you have a need that you want to make public to your church family, and there's something that we can do for you as a church, some of our shepherds are going to be up front to receive you, to hear your requests, to make them known to the congregation if that's what you want to do. But if you have a need, would you come and make it known while we stand and while we sing? Oh, oh. 